But anyways, uh, I'm excited to dive into Psalm 56 today. If you want to turn in there with your Bibles, you're more than welcome to join me there in Psalm 56. Uh, but I, we have been in this series now so far, just really spending the summer talking through the Psalms. Uh, you know, our, our initiative this year, our GROW initiative this year was to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community. And we have been doing that over the course of the year. We had our Word of God series, looking at the broad themes and for the rest of the year, we're going to be kind of taking a, a look in some different parts of the Bible. In the summer, we're going to take a look at the Psalms, and then in the fall, we're going to get to some other places and uh, some letters and maybe another Old Testament book in there. But I really want to just take a, di- a deep dive into what this really is. Like, what, what, are, what do the Psalms have for us? Because oftentimes... Uh, we just kind of skim over the Psalms and we just kind of, we think of them as kind of beautiful poetry, beautiful songs, but we don't necessarily dive deep. We don't always ask the same questions of the Psalms that we would of, say, a Paul's letter or uh, a gospel or even some of the Old Testament books. And so that's what we're doing during this series, kind of asking some of those same questions. So, so far we've been in five Psalms. We've looked at Psalm 95 and talked about worship about what it is and why we do it. We talked about Psalm 63 and looked at kind of David coming to grips with the love of God for him. We looked at Psalm 139 and looked at David again coming to grips with just the the depth of knowledge that God has about him. We looked at Psalm 98 again coming to grips with another part of God, God's faithfulness. Uh, And then last week we looked at Psalm 51. This is David once again coming to grips with really just his own sin and the graciousness that God has in that sin. We look at the story of David and Bathsheba where that psalm uh, comes from. And it's just a a great story of sin and grace and forgiveness. And so uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 56. Uh, And once again, this is another one of those psalms that we don't actually have to get very far uh, for it to kind of, for you have to stop. You know, stop and kind of take a look at what's going on. Because before we even get to verse 1 in Psalm 56, we read this. For the director of music, to the tune of a dove on distant oaks, of David, a miktom. We'll stop right there. We'll keep reading in a second. I think this is pretty cool, uh, honestly. You look at this and you say, all right, this is a song that we are about to read here. There's a tune here that... We don't know the tune of, <laughs> but they did. Uh, and when they read it, they could sing it to this tune, right? And it's a miktam, which no one actually knows what it means. <laughs> no one knows what it means. It's just kind of a word uh, that, again, they knew what it was. Uh, we don't know what it was. And we don't know if it was a kind of a literary term or whether it was a musical term that they would use. Um, but we know that it was a song. Or we're reading a song of David here. We know the tune, but we don't. We don't know the tune. <laughs> so, uh, but it says this after this when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. So, just like last week when we looked at uh, where in Psalm 51, where it talks about David and Bathsheba, we're going to actually go back and look at this before we get to the Psalm. So, keep your finger there in Psalm 56. But we're going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, that's where we know that David was in Gath. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, uh, and here, here's what this says. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at the man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? So that's, that's when David is in Gath. Uh, and I think, I think we need a little more background, right? We need to, now why, why is he in Gath? Why is he acting like this? What is actually going on here? Uh, but first of all, I just want to just say this. David in 1 Samuel is not king yet. Saul is still the king. Right, David in chapter 16 is anointed as king by God, but he is not yet the king. In chapter 17 is David and Goliath. He defeats Goliath, who, by the way, is from a town named Gath. So David is actually in Goliath's hometown, as we read about here. Uh, and, and I just, you know, he's, we see the story of David and Goliath. David is, is becoming well-known, as alluded to in this psalm. Right? We see this psalm, isn't this David? Like David, David's recognizable at this point. That's David, right? Isn't this the guy that they're singing about, right? Saul has killed his thousands, but David, he's killed his tens of thousands, right? David is the man at this point, and people begin to recognize David. So, first of all, this does not sit well with Saul. Saul does not like that this song is a thing. Paul, Saul does not like that, that people in the towns are singing, hey, David, has, Saul has killed his thousands. Yeah, for sure. Saul is good, but man, David is the man. David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul does not like this one bit. And so Saul seeks out to kill David. So David is on the run at this point, and David really has nowhere to go. You know how I know he has nowhere to go? Because he goes to the town where, where Goliath, the giant that he just killed, was from. And actually, we learn two verses before this, and actually uh, verse 8, David goes to visit a priest. He says, David asks Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed, is in the valley of Elah, or whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. The very next verse, David is in Gath. So you can imagine this. David, fleeing for his life, enters the town of Goliath, his hometown. His, his, this is the place where Goliath is from, carrying Goliath's sword after having killed him a little bit ago. You can just imagine how desperate David has to be at this point to go there with that sword to hide from Saul. You can just imagine the desperation that David is under right now. And then and, and he gets to Gath. Of course, people recognize him. They seize him. He pretends to be insane just to get out of it. And it kind of works, right? We know that it works. And then we get to Psalm 56. And here's what Psalm 56 says. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. 
All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I'm under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So when you read this, and you know what David is actually running from, (laughs) these two lines where he says, what can man do to me? You just think like, there's there's probably a lot. <laughs> Man could do a lot to you. They're actually out for you right now. They're going to kill you, David. That's why you're, you're running. And the answer just seems so obvious to me. But, but I, want to just, I want to think about this because there's a reason that David is able to say all of this. And so I want to, I want to think about this psalm this morning and try and maybe see some similarities between where we are in life and where David is as he writes this song and hopefully kind of get some things out of this psalm that are more than just historical context, but, but also meaningful for us today. And the very first thing I want to try and do is try and kind of identify with David here. Right, David is in kind of a vulnerable spot. Right, I, I, he's, he's, in a, a, he's in a spot where probably none of us will ever be. I don't think any of us are ever going to be running for our lives from a king. I don't think any of us will ever be seized in the hometown of a giant we once killed. <laughs> I don't, I, I, but I want us to think about these questions, right? Have you ever been overwhelmed? Right? David here, it, he's just under so much pressure. I mean, you read verse 1 and 2, be merciful to me, my God. My enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. Right, verse 5 and 6, all day long they twist my words, and all their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Just think about the, the pressure that David is under here. Three times, just in what we read, all day long. It's like, I can't take a breath. Like, first, Saul is trying to get me. Now the Philistines recognize me. It's just one thing after another. I mean, have you ever felt just like, just overwhelmed by life. It just feels like one thing after another. It just feels like, man, all day long, people are after me. All day long, people are trying to get on me. All day long, it feels like something else is coming up. Something else, something else, something else. When I finally put that one to bed, it feels like something else is coming along. All day long. I mean, if you've ever been overwhelmed like that, I think you can identify with David here. Have you ever been opposed Have you ever been opposed? Think about the language that he's using here. He feels trampled. He's got attackers. He's being chased down. He's being oppressed. They want to injure him. And think about this. David has done nothing to deserve this. David has done nothing to deserve anything that is happening right now. He he, he hasn't done anything. He was obeying God. And probably most ironically, he was obeying Saul. (laughs) And now Saul's the one who wants to go kill him. Uh, he, he is being, he's being uh, oppressed, right? Have you ever felt like, man, I didn't do a thing, but man, these people are just all up on me. I, I don't, didn't do a thing to deserve this, but man, like, I just, I just can't. Uh, if you felt like that, I think, I think you can identify with David here a little bit. Have you ever felt alone? 
All right, think about this. David is, is by himself. In the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 22, we see a few hundred people come and join him in a cave. But right now, he is by himself. He is alone. And he, he doesn't really know where to go. In fact, the only place that he knows he can go is to probably a really unsafe place. Right, David, is, David is alone here. I mean, have you ever felt alone? Maybe literally, maybe metaphorically. Have you ever felt alone? I think if you felt alone, you can identify with David a little bit here. What about being afraid? You ever been afraid? I think everyone has fears. I know that's true. But I'm not necessarily talking about like, like I'm on the top of a ropes course kind of fear. I'm talking about like deep within you fears. Now, I know it's Father's Day and all of us dads are like, no, I'm not afraid of anything. You know, but all of us have, all of us have fears. And, and David obviously has some legitimate fears that are taking place here. Right? There's a fear for his life. It's fear for his safety at the very least. I mean, he's asking for a weapon and he's willing to take Goliath's weapon into Gath, where Goliath is from. He's fearing for his safety. And I think there's some key words here. It says, when I am afraid. David is afraid. When I'm afraid. He's experiencing kind of his worst nightmares here. I mean, for some of you, you've you've gone through times where you've just been afraid. Maybe maybe not for your physical life, but maybe for things that you hold dear. What's going to happen if I lose my job? What's going to happen if we lose the house? What's going to happen if dot, dot, dot. We have these, these fears. If you ever felt afraid, I think we can identify with David. The question becomes, if we can identify with David, we can actually look into this and see, all right, how did David deal with these feelings that he was feeling? How did he deal with feeling overwhelmed and oppressed and alone and afraid? And I think the answer is right here in verse three through four. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, I wanted you to see the transition here between chapter, verse 3 and verse 4. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. That's verse 3. Listen to verse 4 again. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. So, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And God, whose word I praise. And when I put my trust in you, I'm not afraid. This is, this is, this is I think, the answer that we have here is, is how to kind of deal with these things that David is dealing with. The very first thing, I think, is the obvious thing, to put your trust in God. In these situations where you're feeling lonely and isolated and oppressed and just overwhelmed, we put our trust in And God, it's the very first thing that David does. He goes to God. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. He cries out to God. He he seeks God. I mean, what does this look like? I think for David and for us, this looks like prayer. We need to seek God and trust God and lay it in his hands. That song that we just sang, I Surrender All. Like, that's, that's what this is all about. How we need to surrender the things that we are worried about, surrender the things that we're afraid of, surrender the things that we're overwhelmed by, and just give them to God. But here's oftentimes what happens. Oftentimes what we do is we try and deal with all of those things on our own. We go after the things that we're afraid of. Right, we, we, we are overwhelmed, so we try and get rid of the things that we're overwhelmed by. Right, we're afraid, and we try and go around the things that we're afraid of. And then at the end of all of that, 
If we can't do it on ourselves, we say, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. When in reality, that should be the very first thing that happens. The very first thing that we should do is go to God in prayer and leave it in his hands. Prayer is, is far from a last resort. But sometimes, you know, we're, we're faced with opposition or loneliness or any of that stuff. And, and it's easy to just put our focus on those things. But we know this logic is bad, right? When we're, think about the small things that we're afraid of. You're afraid of heights. What do they tell you? Don't look down. <laughs> Don't look at it. You're afraid of snakes or spiders. What do they tell you? Just don't, just ignore it. Don't look at it. Right? They tell you not, not, not even to look at it. We know this logic doesn't make sense in the small things, but we do it in the big things, right? We become overwhelmed by things, and that's all of a sudden all we can think about. We become afraid by different things and different situations that are going to happen in life, and all of a sudden that's all that we can think about. When in reality, it's, it's don't look down. Look up. Look to God. Give it to God in prayer. Let him take it. Uh, he is big enough and he is strong enough to handle anything that we are giving him. I mean, and when we see our circumstances, especially in the light of what we've talked about for the last four weeks, in light of God's, the depth of God's love for us and the depth of God's knowledge for us and the depth of God's faithfulness and grace, like when we see the situations and the circumstances that we are going through, through those lenses, all of a sudden it becomes really easy. To just leave it in God's hand because he is big enough, strong enough, and faithful enough to get you through this. Right? Romans 8 comes to mind. If God is for me, who can be against me? Right? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Right? God wants us to leave these things in his hands. It's, it's biblical, scriptural that we need to do this. We can trust God, especially in our times of feeling overwhelmed or lonely or isolated or oppressed or opposed, we can trust God in the midst of all of that. Amen. We can trust him. Amen. And David knows this truth, and I think he's making it clear here. Right? In God, I trust and am not afraid. He says that twice. In God, I trust and am not afraid. Not and won't be afraid. Not and shouldn't be afraid. God, I trust and I am not afraid because I have given it to him. Not only does David put his trust in God, it says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. So we put our trust in him and we seek his word. Put our trust in God and seek the word. Verse three, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. Verse 10, in God whose word I praise. You know, there are a lot of commentators actually who see this and they think, uh, you know, David is probably not referring to kind of the whole of Scripture here when he's talking about in God whose word I praise. I alluded to it earlier in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. David was anointed king by the word, by the decree of God. He is going to be king. As a lot of people would say, you know, when David is saying that, David is saying this, he's saying, look, in God whose word I praise. He, he can think about this promise of God that God has given him that someday he would be anointed as king. That Saul is no longer in God's eyes the king. David is going to be king. He can look at this promise that God has given him and he can say with confidence this last verse, you've delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. He knows that because of God's promise to him, because God has promised him that he would be king, that he is going to be delivered from this. Now, we didn't get that same promise. 
We don't have the same promise that David had, but I think what we do have is something that David didn't have. All right, we have this book right here, 66 books that are absolutely filled with promise after promise from God to us that we can cling to and that we can hold on to in our times of need, in our times of fear, in our times of feeling overwhelmed. We can cling on to these promises. We have promises from God where he can have peace and comfort in times of need. We have promises from God that he is going to be with us, that God is for us. We have promises for guidance. We have promises for grace. We have promises for all of this in Scripture, and we can cling to this. See, when we seek God in our times of being overwhelmed, in our times of feeling oppressed, in our times of just feeling lonely or whatever, when we seek God, we can also seek his word and cling to his word because we know in the end, it all works out. In the end, God is still in control. In the end, God is still for us. In the end, God still promises so many things for each and every one of us. In the end, we know And just like David in his time of need, I think when we're in these times of being overwhelmed or or afraid, we can put our trust in God. We can put our faith in the word of God. That's what David did. And we can do the very same thing. I I think about this psalm and I just, I I get so encouraged by this. And the times where I just, I feel overwhelmed by what's going on in life. And I think, well, you know, I can put my trust in God. I can put my trust in his word I don't have to be afraid. Amen. Here's the amazing thing. David was able to say, I put my trust in you. I trust your word. And we can, we can say the same thing, but we also have someone else to point to in Jesus Christ. David didn't know Jesus. David was before Jesus. But I think if he knew Jesus, he would have, he would have pointed there as well. I think of Romans chapter 8. I alluded to Romans chapter 8 earlier. I want to just go there and just read for a second, starting in verse 31. It says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is what David was saying, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you just to see this this morning. If, if God has saved you from sin and death through Jesus Christ, then what circumstance is there that you can't trust him in? There is nothing. What can man do to you? This, this thought that David has, like, what can man do to me? Like, I think we could go through life with that same thought because no matter what we're going through, God has provided a way out through Jesus Christ. No matter what we are going through. And even John 1.14 tells us that Jesus is the word of God. 
So Jesus kind of embodies both of these things that David is talking about. Jesus, we can trust in him because, first of all, he is God. And God sent him to earth to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die, so that we might be with him for eternity. But Jesus is also the word of God. John 1.14 says, tells us that Jesus is the word of God. In the same way you know, that David and we can seek God in his word, we can also seek the word of God. Now we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Man, isn't God good? <laughs> even in our times of need, even in our times of fear, even in our times of being overwhelmed or whatever we're feeling in any of those times, we can look back to this psalm and just sing along with David. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, I put my trust in you. In you. Man, God is good. That even in our times of need, even in our times, I mean, it was true for David, even in a circumstance none of us would dream of. It's true for us as well, no matter what we're going through. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. If you need a memory verse this week, there's a great one. Write that on your mirror, write it, put it on, put a sticky note on your fridge. Like, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. No matter what is going on in life, we can trust God and we can seek him in his word. Amen. Let's pray.